enter if you dare this ghastly conversation of teens fraught with despair and recent lacerations final girl chase after her don't let her get away but first the slumber podcast massacre Welcome to Slumber Podcast Massacre with TNA. That's Tim. That's Andy. And this is a podcast about horror. Every week, Tim and I are going to talk about a different film in the horror genre. From your golden classics to that rare, rare gem at the back of your, of your video store shelf. I messed it up. I said it too fast. Okay. <laughs> this week, we're going to talk about the 1985 Garamedy reanimator. Tim... Have you ever had an idea stolen from you and someone else took credit for it? Well, yes. Um, but I don't think they did it on purpose because whoever did it, uh, that person and I have never met. So, oh. I mean, yes. It, here was my idea. And then I even told you about this, actually, years ago. I had what I thought was a million-dollar, multi-million-dollar idea yeah. Where I would create um, out of uh, fiberglass these molds that you could set up in your yard to like spell your kid's name, or maybe you make it as like an archway and you pack the mold with soil and seed and water, it kind of like a giant chia pet. Okay. And so that people, rather than just having like, a normal yard with like nothing happening that you could sort of like create hills. Like even like imagine your backyard and just having like a giant hill in the back that's flat on top and you could go up there and sit up there and do whatever you want to okay. do. And uh, I thought like, like a nature yeah. deck. What's that? Like a nature deck. Like an, yeah. Like an absolute grass nature deck. <laughs> okay. Yes. Or maybe you want to do like like a sea serpent, like going in and out of your yard or something like that. Like, All right. It would have been a, a great idea. And um, I thought like, man, this is simple. It's simple to make. It's simple to manufacture. And uh, I could make millions off of this. And like three years after that, I saw that somebody actually did it. <laughs> and not that it's like that complicated of an idea, but I'm like, damn it. So, yeah. yeah, that was that was the one that got away from me. I'll say this. I asked that question without remembering this and this all of a sudden triggered a memory. I actually did that to you once. That's another idea stolen. And this is an example I give when I defend Brian Williams, because Brian Williams got in trouble, got in trouble for claiming he was, you know, it was the whole I, we were getting shot at, but he wasn't getting yeah. shot at. Uh, and he's like, look, just my memory served me that that's what happened. Uh, you came up with a movie idea one time where uh which was before scream and everything where the uh monsters in horror movies started attacking the real life actors that were in these movies right this was before new nightmare this was oh, so wow. like you know a someone as mike myers kills jamie lee curtis or something like that you told me about that a long time ago i went for like three years talking about that movie but in my mind i thought of that like, because it was years after you had told me. And so I was talking about this. I was like, that is a killer idea. And for the longest time, I, I was like, yeah, that was my idea. Until one day 
you mentioned it, and I went, holy shit, that's Tim's idea. What is my problem? So I give Brian Williams a pass because it does happen. Like, I was never intentionally <laughs> stole your It's not like I was at a, you know, Hollywood meeting. It was just a cool idea that I just thought was my own for the longest time. It was the weirdest thing. Uh, so, yeah, I also stole your idea. Well, and I'm okay with it because, you know, ultimately... Great idea for a movie, ultimately though. Ultimately, Wes Craven did a, a halfway decent job with the idea, so God bless him for yeah. it. Yeah. Um, uh, but so that leads us to today's movie. Yes. Uh, here we are in the garage studio. It's a hot day. It is. Um, but we're responsibly talking about Reanimator. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb. What a fun movie. Yeah. And I'm, I, you know, it's funny. Sometimes I listen to old episodes of this podcast and I, I kind of cringe at times when I repeat certain words or phrases it's over just and over. fun. And I promise I'm going to try my hardest to not over and over like foghorn leghorn style say that this is a fun movie. But by God, it is. Yeah. I mean, if you want to talk about you don't have anything to do, you don't necessarily want to go out, but you want to have fun staying in, and you've got a couple friends around, this, I, and, and I, I'm hesitant to say this because of how much I champion other films like, um, like Evil Dead 2 mm -hmm. or um, you know, the, the Slumber Party Massacre combo 1 and 2. There have been other movies in the past that I have, that I have really um, championed to get people to watch as a result of, of having a, a fun experience myself. And it's so fun that I know that other people will too. But the fact that I've never asked anyone to watch this movie before yeah. is because of the like unimaginable fact that I have never seen this film until we were prepping for this show. Yeah. And me neither. And it has such a uh, legacy. It's such a, you know, it's one it's the one of those you hear about all the time. It is. And, you know, I'm going to go ahead. And I'm going to I told you I, I have a theory on why I didn't watch this movie. Yeah. And I, I'm going to go ahead and tell you now. The um, I've talked about this before. We both talked about this before in, in other episodes about the importance of of uh, presentation for films as far as their video boxes. OK. So when you're in the 80s, and I, I, I wonder if, like, sometimes I wonder if young people even, like, have a concept of what it's like to not have the Internet. Oh, like, right. Like, I wonder if that's, like, if they can truly even wrap their minds around that. Right. And, um, you know, it's funny. There was, uh, there was an anecdote that I heard one time about um, Native people in North America seeing ships of Europeans arrive on the shores and the idea of such large ships, so many people was so outside of their realm of understanding that they literally couldn't see the ships coming. They're staring right at them and they literally could not see them right. because their mind couldn't formulate that. And I wonder if younger listeners out there <laughs> can even conceive of the idea of there not being an internet, but trust me, there was a time where, <laughs> trust me, when, yeah, there, there was a time before the internet 
<laughs> and uh, don't listen the, to the haters. The only thing that you had to go on was the movie box. So this is my theory. On the cover of the Reanimator movie box, it shows somebody doing science. <laughs> okay, <laughs> right. So if you have a choice between a scantily clad camper in booty shorts giving you bedroom eyes or a guy doing experiments right. by himself in the dark, Hot which one are you going to Beaker action. <laughs> right. But little did I know. I mean, we'll get into this in a second. But uh, they actually, this, this movie is very tantalizing. Yeah, parts. plenty of boobs. But uh, I think that's why we skipped over it was because the idea of science sounded boring um, to yeah. us at that time. Or, well, and or, I think there's, you know, and we were kind of talking about this before we started recording, but it's weird how this movie is so well regarded, yet I, don't, I didn't know much about it. I know it's kind of a Frankenstein tale. That's it. There's no part in this movie where I was like, that's the part. There's one part I know because of like from a line in American Beauty. Right. Uh, and it's the in, most insane part of the movie. But still, like there there are no bits or scenes where I'm like, "Oh, people have parodied this part or people this is the big scene people talk about." My dad, like it was all fresh. My dad has seen this movie and what? I hadn't seen it. Wow. I mean, like it's just it's crazy, but that's that's why I was so excited to talk about this movie today. What was your dad's review? Did he uh, give a... Oh, he loved it. He's he a big fan. You know, as a former um, volunteer fireman and EMT, he has... And with a, him having a father who was a surgeon, he has a sort of a natural disposition to body horror. So, like, it doesn't affect him, and he has, right. a, he has an interest in it. Um, so he loved it for, for that regard, you know, the, the visceral aspect of it. But... I can't believe the the amount of times that my friends and I would have passed this over at a video store, but God dang, am I glad that we watched it now because this is right up our alley as far as like a fun yeah. experience. This is what we needed after clockwork. Like this it, was it the is, return yeah. to form. If we're getting back to horror <laughs> and we're getting back to fun and we're getting back to crazy, this was the perfect reintroduction. Yeah. So now here's what's really, really cool about this movie is that for all of the excitement and fun and everything that we're we're talking about right now just getting started this movie was made for nothing it was made for nine hundred thousand dollars which to anyone that that isn't involved in in film or television production probably sounds like a lot of money but it literally I, i gave this example when we were talking earlier it would be the equivalent of if i told you that i want breakfast lunch and dinner for seven days and I want you to go to the grocery store and get all the ingredients, and here's 25 bucks. <laughs> right. It's, it's nothing. I mean, it's a micro budget. But what's so great about this movie is even from the very beginning, the sets are great. You know, the costumes are, are great. Like, yeah. I can't figure out where they didn't spend money. Uh, right, because the performances are really good. Um, I liked everyone in this movie. There was not one person where I was like, eh. Uh, they all held my attention. They were all written well. Like, every character was a distinct character. They had their own voice. Yes. As as stereotypical as they may have uh, portrayed themselves, crazy scientist, damsel in distress, evil professor, you know, whatever. The boyfriend of the rescue. I still... 
uh, believed their motivations and understood them as people. Sure. And here's the thing. There are plenty of movies, some of which we've covered on this uh, this podcast, where it's got a micro budget. You know it's got a micro budget. You can see that it does. And that's part of the fun of the experience. I'm thinking of uh, Truth or Dare. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. And uh, that would be the first one to come to mind. So that's part of the experience is that you know, hey, they had no money for this thing, and I can tell. And it's, right. and it's just a, a part of the fun. But this movie just hit it beautifully. And before we get into Nan's summary. Well, let's not say hit it beautifully. I mean, well, they used it well. Yes. There's still a lot of bad effects, but it's so fun, you don't care. Right. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, there no. are some horrific effects in this movie, but it is so fun, it doesn't take you out of it. This movie... We've got to stop saying fun. Yeah. It, it's it's uh, filled with such enjoyment <laughs> that, uh, it, honestly, you get like 20, 25 minutes into this movie, and you're forgetting whatever else is going on in the world around you. Like, yeah. it's, it's that great. And it's, before we get into Nan's summary, it starts off with a bang, and it made me think about... If, you know, and if memory serves, I, I didn't actually research this. I, I just remembered it. But I think it was Quentin Tarantino that said uh, something about something that Sam Fuller had said, a director that he really loves. And it was the quote, and I'm paraphrasing, is something to the effect of, if your dick isn't hard in the first five minutes of a movie, then the whole film is lost. <laughs> and this movie, whether they heard that quote or not, absolutely follows it because it just starts off with a bang i mean it's it's urgent from the beginning yeah but before we get into any of that stuff let's go ahead and get an Set, summary it sets your stakes uh okay so this is the story of excuse me dr herbert west he is an ambitious young medical student who feels that he has discovered the uh antidote to death uh and believes he can reanimate dead tissue so this is kind of his story about his uh, illegal uh, and unethical experimentation and the people that he drags along with him, essentially. That's true. And, and you mentioned it earlier um, that it, the origin for this whole film was the idea that uh, they wanted to make a, a Frankenstein movie. There had been a wealth of vampire movies. Yeah. And there was an interest in the, in the creators of making like a Frankenstein-ish tale and um i like what you said about antidote to death <laughs> and and what's interesting is that it is a sort of frankenstein tale but as prevalent as the whole frankenstein storyline is it, this movie really stands on its own yeah as as a concept and the concept came from hp lovecraft i think it was 1922 uh, there was a uh, a story written called Herbert West Reanimator, and it yeah. Was, the full uh, title of the movie is H.P. Lovecraft's Reanimator. Is it really? Yes, I didn't know that. There might be there might be two alternate titles, but one of the official titles is, is a title is the name. And here's what's so crazy is that you've got a film where. You're featuring a, a bone saw being driven entirely <laughs> through the body of a reanimated corpse, and yet it is regarded as one of the most faithful recreations of uh, an H.P. Lovecraft story. 
um, which is kind of shocking because right. there's been plenty of them. Um, but this movie is, and we'll get into it a little bit more later, uh, but uh, f- outrageously for how outlandish this movie <sighs> is, extremely highly regarded by some people that normally like to shit all over movies like oh, this. Oh, yeah. Ebert um, loved it. But uh, you've, you mentioned the cast earlier and the performances. Fantastic performances. Um, everybody just fit their part perfectly, and the whole thing doesn't work if you don't have a Herbert West, the guy that that is the uh, the catalyst for the idea of reanimating corpses. Yeah. If you don't have somebody convincing there, and trust me, for as nicely and compactly written as this movie is, if you had somebody playing that role that was a little too wink-wink at the audience, it would just kill the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but this guy really takes it. Jeffrey d- Combs. Yeah. Damn, seriously. Who really- I, after looking him up, uh, this makes sense because I remember watching the movie I'm about to mention and being like, when has this guy been in anything? Because he's awesome. Did you ever see The Frighteners I with Michael J. Fox? I haven't seen that. All right. There's like this special agent who uh, 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 is uh, well-versed in the occult, and it's this dude. But he's such a weirdo in that movie, and you're like, he totally stands out. He's like the second antagonist of the movie. Um and it's this this same guy, it's, uh, Jeffrey Combs, and he's kind of I, I and I think for better or for worse, um, you know, actors in Hollywood are always so leery, uh, just leery of of being typecast as a certain role. But at the end of the day, it's it's one in a million if you make it in Hollywood at all. Right. So for him to be attached so thoroughly to these films, of which there were two sequels and a a popular musical adaptation. Um, it's not such a bad thing, you know, if if that's what came. There's a musical it. adaptation of this. Oh yeah, there's oh. a yeah, and I'm sure that it will be featured prominently <laughs> at a local theater near you. Um, takes place, uh, you know, it opens in a uh, in Zurich, which <laughs> I don't know if this is still the case or not, but it's like. Anything that was wild and crazy in medicine always used to be in Zurich. Like, right. That's where all the sex they, well, changes Switzerland were. has like no like international rules. They're like so neutral, so they're like, yeah, you can do anything here. You want to reanimate a corpse? Right. Like, what took you so long? <laughs> um, we'll give you the facilities for it. So it it start the movie starts with just an absolute bang, and I, I won't walk you step by step through it, but I will say that it is you get right into the idea. And the visuals of a reanimated corpse to like extremely effective and out, outlandish results. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's almost as if the film starts with a climax. Um, that yeah, it's, of it's, a previous movie. Right. It, yeah. It's it's crazy, and so immediately you're pulled into it. Um, after, and that professor's name, Hans Gruber. What, why does that sound so familiar to That's me? the main villain in Die Hard. That's Alan Rickman. Oh, my God, it is, isn't it? God <laughs> damn it. I knew that was from something. I just knew it. Yeah. Yeah, a little movie Unrelated. This is not in the Die Hard universe. <laughs> Speaking of stolen ideas. Who, be, who, beats, who, who meets a worse death? <laughs> yeah, Which right. Hans Gruber? Hans Gruber. I'd say the reanimator. The guy's bleeding from his eyeballs. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's worse. I mean, maybe at the moment of impact of of Hans Gruber Jr. Sure, like maybe. But I mean, up until that point. Um, but then the film, after it has this wild and crazy introduction to the idea of as certain doctors 
um, original studies into reanimating corpses, it moves to the beautifully named Miskatonic University, which yeah, in Arkham, Massachusetts, right, which and is Ms. a fake Lovecraft name, which is where Arkham Asylum gets its name. Yeah, from was, Lovecraft. Yeah, and I, I, I kind of figured, well, because H.P. Lovecraft was, you know. I mean, it's not like he was churning out stories like five years ago. I mean, it's, I figured he came first, but I wasn't sure. But it's a beautiful name. I, I love the sound of it. It's actually um, it's a made-up name by H.P. By Lovecraft that got used in, in several of his stories. It's actually kind of an amalgamation of Algonquin sounds. Um, the Algonquin tribe has a really great vocabulary that was really popular at the beginning of, of actually the, the formation of the country, because any of your states like Massachusetts, Connecticut, Illinois, uh, Michigan, uh, all of those are Algonquin words. So it's it's got a real kind of um, it's got a real nice, hard, like great alliteration. And it's so there we get our our Miskatonic University. Um, and and the one really one of the better and most successful aspects of this movie is just how tight it is and how quick it is. Yes. Like, there's not a lot of, of just fluff setup. No. Nice, tight package, and uh, we meet our, our characters. Um, let's talk a little bit about those, those other characters in the film. Yeah, so you got Dan Kane. He's a medical student, uh, and he's dating uh, the dean's daughter, Megan. Halsey? Halsey. 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 Not, not in the pop uh, singer universe either. He's also a separate universe. Uh, and he, and uh, Herbert ends up moving in with him because he's got a spare room. Uh, but yeah, they're an adorable couple. Uh, and then there's another doctor who is friends with the dean who is pervin hardcore yes. on the daughter. He is. It is on comfortable it is and he does because she's a college student and this guy is 68 years old easily yeah yeah and so you've got um you've got herbert coming into the university and right off the bat um there's some uh some conflict between herbert and uh dr carl hill carl who hill. is the other doctor friends with uh and colleagues with with uh, dean halsey of the university and Herbert wastes no time in uh, really kind of belittling or doing his best to belittle uh, Dr. Carl Hill yeah. to his face. Because Carl Hill is a by-the-books guy. This guy is like, here, brain death happens after 12 minutes. Doesn't go beyond 12 minutes. That's yeah, he, a hard and fast rule. He's a physician. He's a professor at the university. And here comes this upstart from Switzerland uh, who's now who's also who is a student but is challenging, you know, his uh, his instructor's ideas. Uh, so there's I some- do like they ask him later, like, why did you leave Switzerland with no really prompt that there was any suspicious circumstances? So it's like you just always very suspicious when someone moves. From- He's like, well, I'm obviously American. I lived here. Yeah, exactly. And. You know, what's funny is um, right, because Herbert's supposed to be he's not Swiss, right? No. OK. Yeah, and I don't know really wh- how he found his way over there. Right, yeah, that's the, that's covered in the prequel that they haven't be. made yet. Must be. But um, in the beginning of the movie, when, when we're meeting these characters and we're introduced to the university, obviously there's a lot of, there's a, a classroom scene and uh, there's a lot of setup. 
so that you know we understand that we're at a medical university and that's one thing that i was actually pretty impressed by is that the i mean i'm no doctor myself but the med speak seemed pretty reasonable yeah. like believable like, um, enough yeah i mean it was uh it was you know again going back to the the micro budget of this film the sets were fine the the how do i put this the intelligence of the script was perfectly fine. I mean, it normally when you're talking about a micro budget movie, you're you're hearing a a, a gap in quality in in the uh, the dialogue. Yeah, but we're not getting that here. I no. mean, we're we're getting solid performances. We're getting great setups. Also, this movie has a fantastic opening credit sequence, um, which kind of introduces you to the sort of Hitchcockian inspired. Um, string quote inspired yes <laughs> inspired and, and inspired is almost ripping yeah, off it is it is the uh, theme to psycho a half step higher yeah <laughs> right but it's a great theme and why shouldn't <laughs> we keep using it um, but yeah it's kind of like this Hitch- Hitchcockian opening sequence in the and the funny thing is I, I wrote down I made sure that I wrote this phrase down because I I didn't have a way to articulate it but I, I think it's the best way to say it the direction of this movie huh. is almost done with, uh, I would call it a half smile. Like, there's, it's not an absolute parody. Yeah. It's not like an airplane level, like, send up, but it is um, fun. Like, they're, they're, well, did it, you look up this guy, Stuart Gordon? Did you read about him? A, a little bit. Yeah, he's just a weirdo. Like he he's from Chicago. Oh yeah. Then he went to school at uh, my foma mater, uh, Wisconsin, in Madison. Mm-hmm. And beautiful campus. By oh, the way. beautiful. And they didn't have a film school, so he got into theater. Started in like an underground troupe. Started an underground theater called the Sharp Theater or something like that. I can't remember what that was called. Uh, but yeah, just started doing. Oh, the organic theater. Or yes, well, yeah. he was also part of that yeah. in Chicago. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, but Ma- in Madison, he started another like underground theater. Madison, by but the yeah, because way- this they wanted to do this as a play originally. They yeah. were trying to, and, and I just because you so rarely get to use this word, if I'm not mistaken, Madison, the University of uh, Wisconsin Madison, I believe features an isthmus, uh, a stretch uh, by. Yeah, two, like a body uh, surrounded by two bodies. Yeah, <laughs> right. But um, but no, they want to do. Uh, we could do an entire podcast on Ithsmiths. <laughs> right. But uh, but yeah, no. It they wanted to do it, and that was a part that actually really excited me was that they were thinking about, like you said, starting out with this idea as as a stage production. Which God, I wish they would have because there's such a, a lack of really great uh, horror stage uh, scripts out there. But um, they were then going to do it as uh, like a half hour television uh, show. And and that didn't really work out. And thank God they made it as a movie. Yeah. I think they even wrote out a 13 episode like miniseries. Oh, did they really? I think so. So. um, So what what really grabs you uh, regarding this movie Pretty quickly, once things are established, and like I said, it gets it gets crazy right from the get-go. But the one thing about this movie is that it very, very rarely takes its foot off the gas when it comes to showing you absolute, like, scream with, like, delight and shock scenes. Yep. 
And it, because we're talking about, you know, reanimated corpses here. So it's, it's a natural setup for that to happen all the time. And it does, whether it's a human. You need dead bodies. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, they um, did you read the in your research, did you see where, like, they spent a lot of time pulling pictures from the Cook County morgue? No. To, like, kind of get a feel for, like, what shades of, of oh. color the, the bodies are and ideas for certain viscera and stuff like that. So they, they put a lot of a lot of effort into body horror, but in saying that, I would not want to detract from anyone seeing this movie with it being like overly gross with the human body. Now it is it it, it is graphic, but it's always yeah. Here we go, fun. <laughs> <laughs> but it is though. I mean, it's hysterical. It's funny um, when you see this outlandish, even with with the scene where a reanimated cat gets whipped against the wall with like <laughs> professional baseball player level velocity. Like, yeah. I mean, it is, it's hysterical and fun. And, um, and you know, we were uh, talking a little bit earlier about um, like the nudity in, in this movie, yeah. which it's not really known for that. And here I was, you know, earlier talking about how I skipped over this movie because it didn't, you know, entice the libido of like a 12 year old when we were picking movies at the video <laughs> right. store. But I'll tell you, um, the the scenes of um, love or sex or the uh, specifically the lead females body. Yeah. Are all very Barbara attractive. Crampton. Yes. Very attractive and, and not even really my type, but. And I, I want to broach this subject because I think it's kind of fun for a second. Um, in this podcast, we're talking about, as Andrew says at the beginning every time, it's a podcast about horror. <laughs> and horror is rooted in mortality. And mortality is rooted in our physical existence. So you can't do horror movies without featuring the physical form. So, yes, are there going to be times on this podcast where we talk about breasts and penises and you know asses and everything like that well yeah and i i don't feel bad about highlighting when any of that looks good because w w what yeah. are we like were there dicks in this movie i feel like at some of the corpses but i was watching with my 13 year old i didn't want to be like is that a dick can i rewind so if i see there's a dick i'm always watching for it because that's what's funny you know here here i just said a couple minutes ago or a couple seconds ago about a puritanical society the one thing that is still to this day, whether even if you're talking about like art house dramas, male frontal nudity is is still so taboo. Yeah. It, but I do think in answer to your question, I think there's a scene where the sort of like young male in his mid 20s that they reanimate. Yeah. Um, I you might see some things. Yeah. In shadow. But I, I couldn't tell if it was because it's definitely. You can see below the waist. You can. But and I, think I didn't see much swinging, you know? Swinging, I was yeah. like, did they cup that and make up it like a Ken doll kind of thing? It's a, it's a strong use of, of angle and shadow. Yeah. But I, I kind of hope that, that we get away from that a little bit because I'll tell you, yeah. I think... More dicks in movies. And balls. Please. I, and balls. I think testicles, in my opinion, are about to have their bacon moment. And by bacon moment... <laughs> I don't mean Kevin Bacon's package in Friday the 13th in that Speedo. What I mean is 
Well, he shows his dick in like f- oh yeah flat out in many things. Book yeah. of Shadow? No, wait, what's that movie called? Uh, the red uh, with Red Door. Uh, but no, I've seen. I mean, I, I don't remember. What it's I have called. seen it, but I think I think testicles are footloose. Are on the rise. Footloose. Yes, he shows his dick in footloose because you know it's it's like the, I, I call it the bacon moment because it's like bacon has always been around, but like in the last whatever it was five years ago oh, yeah. when all of a sudden bacon is like the most amazing thing in the world, but it's always been here. Right, balls. I feel like I feel like women like balls more than I would think that they would, and I'm always a little self conscious. Email about, us. You know what I mean? Like, do they slumber podcast at gmail.com? <laughs> but, Ladies, do you like balls? Yeah, that's what that's what this is all about. But no, <laughs> yeah, obviously, getting back to the point though, it's a podcast about horror, and we deal a lot with the human body, and this movie in particular uh, shows quite a bit of it. And um, I'll tell you uh, again, going back to the budget thing, uh, there's so much body horror in this movie. I don't know how they pulled it off as successfully as they did right but they did because you've got i mean you've got a a a good portion of the movie has just a body with no head walking around right uh and carrying the severed head a lot of uh here's another example of like some techniques never mind that car we're in the garage folks (laughs) uh (laughs) the there's some techniques where you're just like so corny like you it's obvious what's going on like oh the like the body that's holding this head is enormous there's obviously another like whole person in there or whatever um but it's pulled off so well and everything is so wrapped like you're not you're not distracted by it right um but yeah you've got that you've got uh the the bodybuilder who gets the saw through the bone saw through his middle yeah. who was schwarzenegger's uh stunt double oh really that guy yeah they serious? made the classic uh zombie mistake of reanimating the most muscular man <laughs> right. in the county and he just happened to be in the morgue like yeah this guy is enormous yeah no that was uh that was to all of our benefits because that fight scene now that now let me paint the picture here there is a uh a, i guess a fight scene a struggle scene of, of physicality uh involving this muscular man who's been reanimated and he's not happy about it um right he's struggling with his reintroduction yeah. to the world and um so it becomes very violent and it's a scene where in the midst of all of this dean halsey is killed but because the there is uh such a need to well uh, you know not get um what i want to say arrested for murder right you know they attempt to immediately reanimate him reanimate them plus it's an ongoing struggle in this movie that it does no good to reanimate a corpse that's been dead for too long right so here they are little pet cemetery uh right rules in here Exactly. Not and, fresh enough. And because they're, you know, they just got done with this struggle with this corpse that they went into uh, to the morgue to try and reanimate. Um, and they were confronted, unbeknownst to them, you know, by D- uh, Dean Halsey. He becomes involved in the fracas and uh, is killed. Cartoonishly, too. This guy busts down the metal morgue door off its hinges flat on him and then is like jumping 
on the door. Yes. That whole fight is so cartoonish. Yeah. And hilarious. The one funniest part to me, and I'd have to go back, and I don't have the best hearing in the world. I'd have to go back and watch. But I'm pretty sure that when Dean Halsey becomes reanimated, that, that I believe it's the security guard that comes in and is asking, like, you know, that is he's addressing Dean Halsey, who is now reanimated. And I believe that the first words that Dean Halsey says when he's kind of off in the corner and freaking out like a reanimated corpse would. Yeah. I think the actor just says, Dean Halsey. (laughs) I think you're right. That he actually (laughs) says his own name. (laughs) Maybe he's trying to, you know, just get it all back together now that he's back to life. But it is a it is a hysterical scene and it's a great example of a singular scene in this movie that any other horror movie like that would be the penultimate scene for that movie or or i should say the ultimate scene for that movie but it this is just getting started i mean it's uh it's an outrageous scene but it keeps going and keeps amping up the well because people are wondering like well what's happened to him because no one goes oh he probably died and someone reanimated him but he's you know his eyes are sunken in he's just rabid they've got him in a straight jacket uh and he's under observation now of dr uh carl hill yes um and he's like i'm gonna get to the bottom of it and he's got his own experimental methods that uh might be a little unethical because he's got that cool little laser drill oh yeah that he uses for lobotomies right right Uh, so he's not perfect either what a, you this know, is I'm, his only unethical thing he does in the movie. No, I, I'm kidding. I know that there are a lot of things that we as a society are, are trying to overcome right now, but let's just say, I mean, it, it, just because there's still a lot of ground to cover and, and progress to be made, let's not also you know, forget to celebrate our achievements, and that is we don't lobotomize people anymore. Right. That was a dark dark time in modern medicine yeah um but yeah it is it is used in this movie and what one element that i i wasn't sure if i liked this part or not because but it does end up becoming kind of crucial is that when these corpses are reanimated apparently there is a telepathic connection between reanimated corpses yeah and that part was is was there yes Okay. That that they are certainly easier to uh, control, which if there's not a lot of headiness that needs to be discussed when you're talking about reanimator. But if we were to try and, you know, sort of um, uh, thoughtfully pick out a theme of this movie, it would be that of control. Sure. And you see some of the control shifts very directly in that when Herbert is first introducing Dan to the idea of reanimating corpses. And keep in mind, Dan is just a sweet guy. Oh, yeah. He's just a sweet medical student. He's attractive. He's fit. Yeah. He's doing well. He's got it a nice It opens with girlfriend. him like he's the guy who's like not he's not ready to give up like trying to save someone. Right. Like, you know, he's the doing chest doctor. compressions. Yeah. Everyone else is like, nope, time of death. He's like, I'm not done yet. He's a good-natured person, and when he's introduced to reanimation by Herbert, 
Herbert almost sort of, I don't want to say he talks him into it, but because things have kind of progressed so far, he basically says, like, you're going to help me with this. You're going to do this yeah. with me now. Yeah. And Dr. Carl Hill says the same thing to Herbert when he confronts him about knowing about his reanimation serum. Right. And so there's this movie features like a constant uh, just shifting of Did, control. Wait, let me ask you this. Did your uh, hearing, hopefully it didn't prohibit you hearing uh, one of the best parts. Because, yeah, it's where Dr. Hill comes. He's like hiding down in the because now now uh, Herbert's taken over the basement of Dan's place and turn it into his lab. And he's like, you know, doing your experiment, or whatever. And Dr. Hill has snuck in and is like, I know what you're up to. I'm going to take credit for it. Right. So that's what, so Herbert kills him. Uh, great shot of a shovel through this oh, guy. God, neck. yeah, that's good. Um but as he's thrusting down, he just goes, plagiarist. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. <laughs> right. No, I did hear it. Oh, and it's, it's so like, good. It's so great because no one, I'm pretty sure, in, in any sort of scene with that level of violence, nobody has ever used the word plagiarist. No. As I mean, you hear like, asshole, you know, whatever, right. goddamn Some you, motherfucker, one, blah, yeah. blah, blah. But plagiarist is the way that he just really, you know, lays him out. Yeah. Um, no, that was hysterical. And and that's that's the thing. I I don't even know how to categorize it. The the comedy in this movie, for it being so outlandish, is so like straight ahead yeah. that it's it's um <clears throat> it's really kind of unique in that regard. Like if you see like an evil dead movie, the comedy comes from it being slapstick. And yeah. it knows that. And this movie is slapstick. But yeah, I mean, you've got a headless body walking around trying to maneuver a room, you know, and the head is rolling its eyes like it's doing its best it yeah. can to control this body. Yeah, there are there are some amazing scenes of of how they got across there being a, a headless, uh, well, uh, a bodiless head, I guess is the yeah. better way to put it, to be able to use the actor's head uh disembodied but actually instead of it just being a, a mold you know the, the way that they camouflage uh this actor so that he comes across as a decapitated head is fantastic and yeah. it's so creepy like how much he like loves being in blood like the decapitated head oh yeah once it's like soaked up some blood it feels so good yeah like that's <laughs> just what he needed yeah and he does this gurgling breathing even though his lungs are not attached to it. It is weird. Like, why does this head need to breathe? Uh, but that, like, again, that is a thing where I'd normally be like, you know, give me at least something I can uh, ground in reality. I don't care. I don't care in this one. The other star of this show is, um, interestingly enough, the serum itself. Yeah. Like, it's a really cool look. I guess it looks like what antifreeze. Uh, I ooh, I don't know. Like antifreeze it's got it's glow just like, like a glowing like iridescent green. Yeah, there's a you can do that. There's some chemical effects you can do where you can make like a luminescent liquid. It doesn't it, last very long, uh, but it's it looks great in this movie. And you know what I love about Good it? Trick syringe they've got too. Yeah, it no yeah all of huge the, syringe like. Yeah, You're the, injecting all the, horses nonstop in this movie. 
Andrew and I are, are both actors, and we've had to both do things on stage where you have to kind of sell something physical to make it look to the audience like you're doing something when obviously it's not actually happening. And I'm telling you, it's hard. Yeah. It's, it's never easy. And you're always worried about it coming across as cheesy or overly fake. But this movie does it at almost every turn. And it, it never looks shitty. I mean, it always looks great. Like the, Whoever they had, like, knowing that skill of sleight of hand of how to sell, like, the syringe. I mean, even even when you're sticking a syringe and emptying the contents into something in close quarters, yeah. seemingly into somebody's body, yeah, it's not an easy thing to do. No. I my uh, Yeah, because I was trying to figure out how they work, how that worked. And I was just assuming the inside of it was hollow. So the liquid has a place to go as that slide, the side slides down. The side is airtight. Okay. And then the liquid itself oh. is pushed up into the middle of it. That, but it still is be. a great effect. Could I mean, be. it still looks amazing. And the other great thing is, <laughs> and this just occurred to me, any time, and I would almost say 100% of the time, that there is a movie that involves a serum <laughs> of any kind, it's always that they're going to run out of it, that there's not enough yeah, of it. No. We only have two vials left or whatever. There is just a shit ton yeah. of this stuff somewhere. I don't know <laughs> if that, like, the Costco, like, vat of reanimating serum. It must be very serum. easy to make. Who knew? Because it's not <laughs> like he's making it in a lab. He's and they just don't made it in the it. basement, essentially. Yeah, they don't, they don't dwell on where the serum comes from no. or how he figured it out how to make it. It is a very minor part, which is great because it doesn't matter. Right. No, it doesn't. Uh, you just have to know that it exists and that there's a shit ton of it. Right. Um, so... As far as plot lines go, the the plot lines, which there is one, very much so, but it, the plot, I would say, maybe fifty percent of the way into the film, is really driven by action, and that's that's what's starting to speak to the fun that we've been talking about. Is that you've had enough setup, now it's just a sequence or a, a like a continuation of sequences of these action scenes that are almost kind of take your breath away. You feel like you didn't breathe for like the last f- half of this movie. Yeah. Cause it's just so nonstop. Yeah. It gets a little cuckoo cause you've got a good, you've got a great uh, showdown at the end. Cause, cause Herbert reanimates not only the head of Dr. Hill, but also the separate body. And, uh, <laughs> We got we got fans outside. We do. Um, but he, so he, he reanimates them separately. So they they kind of work together, but independently. And so, what you know, what does uh, Doctor Hill do with his newfound power? Uh, kidnap a girl to molest her. Uh, so the the final showdown is now they're rescuing the damsel in distress. And uh, a I love uh, Herbert's entry because it's in. Possibly the cringiest moment, uh, especially this is one where uh, I'm sure my 13 year old and I. You want to talk about that scene? Oh yeah, let's talk about it. We, we're this will be a bonding moment for a long time because <laughs> it's. I mean, not only does uh, uh, who was the actor who played this guy? Uh, David Gale, who played Doctor Hill. So it's you know it's this severed head, and he has he has. Uh, the girl on the table she is 
stripped down uh, bare. And and it's so it's this bloody severed head licking her face, sucking on her breasts. And we're all um, we're already like, oh, no, just from the kissing. Yeah, just from that. Um, I mean, we talked about some, you know, sexual assault hard to watch in A Clockwork Orange. This was, yes. this felt even worse. I don't know, it was because I was watching with my child. But then as the head goes down to between the legs and we both are like jumping up on the couch like, no, no. And that thankfully that's when Herbert busts in with just some great like hero monologuish lines like oh you're supposed to be a great professor and here you are canoodling with a co-ed and it doesn't hint at the oral sex it is about to <laughs> no, happen it is going it is, down it is absolutely about to happen and um that's when that's when you sort of start cheering this movie on because <laughs> at that point you're like man they are just going for broke on this yeah thing. it's a it's a bold you know, and yes, we didn't uh, view sexual assault the same way then as we do now. Unfortunately, fortunately, we do now. Uh, so there is a bit you have to watch it in context. It's still awful. I don't think it would happen if they made it today at all. Um, I don't know, maybe. I don't know. Who knows? Well, here's one someone's th- going to try to do that for sure. Here's one thing about the the continuation of that scene. Um, you know, I. I I don't claim to be a, an expert, but I've, I've watched a lot of horror movies, watched a lot of movies in general. And rarely, uh, if somebody has a plan, a contingency plan to um, overtake any opposition that comes upon them, usually you can kind of see that coming. Yeah. You know what's going to happen. I will say, to this movie's credit, when Dr. Carl Hill, in his decapitated head state, is confronted by Dan and Herbert, who are trying to now um, save uh, the, uh, what, what's the, uh, uh, her name is Barbara. It is uh, Megan. Megan Halsey. Oh, Megan Halsey. Yeah, her real they're trying Barbara. to now save Megan from her very, very unwanted uh, cunnilingus. Um, <laughs> A bug just hit Tim in the eye. Car- <laughs> Carl, Dr. Carl Hill says that he's got a plan and he's kind of smirking to himself. Yeah. And the fact that he had all of the other bodies in the morgue rigged up and ready to fight as an undead army. Yeah, I did not expect that. I absolutely didn't see that yeah, coming th- at What all. a moment where you're like, no, yeah, yeah. it's so oh, exciting. Yeah. But you're it like, they're awesome. fucked. <laughs> It was so awesome and and totally unforeseen. And so this movie, uh, again, it, it, going back to what we were saying in the very beginning, there there are movies that you watch for <clears throat> for the artistry and there are movies that you watch for the experience. And that's by the time you get to the point in the film that we're talking about, it's you're 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 just an an absolute innocent spectator watching all of this unfold and by the way i mean there's there's not enough time to go into all of the like fight scenes and we're talking about fight scenes with people that are dead and reanimated so they're not normal fight scenes um and there's action and there's there's limbs being used and there's there's so much great uh makeup effects going on and And there's still um, some character like building going on as megan's like trying to break 
her father yeah. from this mind, you know, to, to recognize, you know, and he like breaks out of that, that zombie like state and like realizes that it's his daughter and is like trying to help her. There's such a cool, it's such a cool shot. Cause they've like broken some phosphorus or whatever. And there's like the whole room is like steaming or misting. And so it's like, he kind of like drags the zombie horde into the, I mean, they're still in just one room, but it's still like into this unseen mist. And then like you never hear from them again. Like you don't know what happened to them. It's so weird. No, and it's an affecting scene and and it's used in other um, supernatural films. Um, And and I always it it, it tugs at the heartstrings. Anytime somebody is possessed, it's featured a lot in possession films. Yeah. Possessed or in this case, reanimated. And you have somebody that that knew them in their real life pleading with them to remember who they are and find that one small part of their psyche that still exists yeah. and and remembers their life it is affecting and it's you, i mean it could have been done by lesser performers in an extremely cheesy fashion but it's like you you really are rooting for him to remember who he really is and and a lot of that i think has to go to um uh uh Barbara, uh, is it Crampton? <laughs> Crampton. Yeah. Her performance. And I'm not saying that she's the most gifted actress in the world, but she comes across as very sweet, very sincere. I loved her in this. She went yeah. on to do like soap operas. So, yeah. did, so did the guy who played Dan. They yeah. both kind of did soap operas after this. Right. Which they got soap opera faces. They do. Yeah. I mean, it's like uh, there's a reason why normal looking people don't make it in, you know, Hollywood. Right. I mean, they're they're famous in, or they're in film and television for a reason. They're they're nice to look at. And um, yeah. But but she also has, you know, some emotional goods to back that up. And um, yeah, it's a nice affecting scene. And um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's an action packed film. It is. Highly recommendable. I I don't know if there's actually been a movie that we've covered that I well uh, we recommended uh, Clockwork Orange extremely sure. highly but, for yeah that's like on a myriad reasons level that, yeah but um I I would say it's a home run like I feel like if somebody likes horror okay and they haven't seen this movie it, they are guaranteed to like it, it yeah. it's it's an extremely likable movie yeah. I would watch it again, no problem. And I will. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can't. But that, that's what I was saying to you. Oh, earlier. we didn't even talk about because we keep talking about how they keep heightening, and you think that the zombie horde now is the highest this movie's getting, but no, because it's still an HP Lovecraft story. So, and here's and here's one of those moments where in a nor- where in another movie this could be done, and I would go, why you know why is this happening? This is just like you're just trying to to do more now. But there's a point where Herbert's like, I've got it. Overdose the thing. So this is this is Hill's uh, headless body walking around. We have not mentioned the fake head that he's got on his body for part of As he's walking around the hospital, he's got the medical model oh of like the God. half skull. But it's it's got the mask on and it's walking around as it's whole, carrying its head in a duffel bag. But anyway, uh, so he figures to stop the body. He gives it just this double super injection. Which instead of really overdosing and killing it, now this uh, every bit of this body is seems autonomous. So as the chest bursts open and the large intestine launches out and wraps itself around Herbert, I'm like, of course, 
And by the way, it's the largest large intestine oh, you've ever man. seen. Yeah. But yeah, the idea that it now animates not just the the person themselves, but the actual organs. Like, yeah, it's it's super great. Yeah. And um and, and it kind of draws that's Herbert's demise, is it well, not really demise, because he shows up later in the other movies, right? Yeah, he's in the other movies. Yeah. Okay. And isn't it kind of funny how by the time you get to that point, when you've got somebody being strangled, uh by like a boa constrictor by somebody's large intestine that you're just kind of going with it. Yeah. Like it's, you would think that that would be the craziest scene in any one given movie. But again, and true to his character as a true scientist, his last dying words are take my notes. Yeah. Yeah. He <laughs> let uh, my work continue, which it does. Yes. Because now, uh, Megan's dead and, uh Dan does not learn the lesson as they never do and it's like no nope, those other bodies were not fresh enough but she just died right and so that's the end of the movie he's now injecting her in the most awkward angle like that was almost the most unbelievable part of this movie right <laughs> it like was into the pillow but like coming up from on top I it's was like, like that's not how needles work yeah dan i think you're gonna have a better <laughs> job of reanimating her if you inject the serum into her and not the medical table <laughs> right yeah um but yeah that that angle wasn't was that was the one sleight of hand that, that yeah. didn't quite work there were a lot of like stage moves where like the elbow comes up real high when people are injecting yeah. things right. a lot of broad theatrical movements yeah they're selling from the it. actors you could tell this was a theater director right so now the aftermath <clears throat> the critics response as we mentioned earlier roger ebert who is not easy to please um you know throughout his uh his critic history especially when it comes to horror films. He and Gene Siskel pr pretty much roundly hated horror films. Yeah. Um, and he liked this. He gave it three out of four stars, mainly, well, not mainly, but a good chunk of that coming from the fact that he was so overwhelmed by the audience's response as he's watching the movie and yeah. he's hearing people with just, you know, vocal reactions to this movie that they can't even control how do you not like that? How do you not recommend a movie that's eliciting that kind of right, response yeah. from people audience? enjoyed this? Don't see it. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, no, that's that's the funny thing. I think I don't know what the Rotten Tomatoes is, but it's pretty decent. It's very high. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's sort of just generally praised by critics. And I'll it's look it up. It's kind of fascinating to me because there are plenty of other horror movies that are also well done and as outlandish that don't get that same sort of praise, but something in particular uh, about this movie, 93% on rotten tomatoes. Three. That tells you anything. Yeah. That no, it, it, it uh, says a, a lot. movie where a severed head goes down on a lady. Right. People loved it. Right. Right. No, I it's uh and it's well-deserved too. Um, I, I feel 100% comfortable in recommending this film. I'm excited to recommend it. Yeah. I'm excited to hear. I'm would excited anybody, to watch it again. Yeah. Anybody that's listening right now that hasn't seen it, please see it. Yeah. And then please, now it's hard to find. It well, true. I could. I got it. I rented it through Apple. Uh, Tim had to get the Stars free trial. No, it was Shutter. It was on Shutter. It was on Shutter. 
Oh, yeah, it was on Shutter. I'm thinking of a different on, movie. Yeah, yeah. Next movie. Yeah, Reanimator can be found right now on Shutter. Yeah. Or if you have a time machine, you can go to any Yeah, that's if you have a Shutter subscription. I'm sure you can get it on Amazon to rent. Oh, absolutely. Definitely Apple. Um, uh, no, yeah. yeah. And, and, and Plug for Shutter, though. Well worth the. If you like this podcast, uh, subscribe to Shutter because it's got everything you yeah, ever have want. Movies. I just watched the Scream Queen documentary last night on Friday oh, yeah. on uh, Nightmare Two. Did you it like was that? great. Yeah, yeah. Is he kind of uh, like a crybaby about the whole thing? Uh, no, I think he's got a valid point. Oh, really? And okay. uh, he he confronts the the screenwriter at the end. Ooh. And they both feel good about it, and you know, okay, because they have like a um, reunion at a at a at a fest. They have a part two reunion where everyone's there except the screenwriter. Even uh, Clue the director's Gulliger? there. Uh, Clue Gulliger shows Holy up. Shit. Yeah. Um, uh, and then he goes and talks to the screenwriter himself. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, that's a nice climax. Yeah. Um, no, that's yes. See Shutter. 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 Get, get Shutter, and see this movie. Um, and let us know. Let us know what you think. I mean, I promise. Don't don't be shy. Uh, if you're listening to this, or if you've seen Reanimator and you think it sucks, tell us that. I, yeah. It's impossible, but um, but yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Now I, I didn't start the timer. I don't even know where we're at on time. So, but it feels about right. Feels right. It feels yeah. right. Yeah, it does. Uh, no need to reanimate any more on this movie. <laughs> no. Uh, well, yeah. wellish played. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, uh, so that's Reanimator, nineteen eighty-five. A huge recommend from both of us. Tune in next week when uh, we do a little hop, skip, and jumping around a franchise. We're going to talk about. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. No subtitle, just 2. Yeah. Right? There's no... No, it's, uh, yeah, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Yeah. Sometimes known as The Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part, Part 2. Part 2, right. Yes. It's an important distinction. <laughs> Very important distinction. Uh, please email us at slumberpodcast at gmail.com. Our Instagram is slumberpodcastmassacre on Instagram. Our Patreon, patreon.com slash slumberpodcast massacre maybe i can't remember if massacre's on there or not we do have some patrons now thank yeah. you so much for supporting the show uh this is so awesome uh i'm gonna take a chunk of that and maybe get our audio uh <laughs> fixed yeah. well yeah we're gonna continually uh be improving things here and we appreciate this uh, we're gonna try the support yeah. that's gonna help us do that you know we're just we're just a couple of guys in a garage Got a card table. It's not a fancy operation. No, but we can make it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's about it. You got anything else uh, to say about this? Well, if I ever pass away before this podcast reaches superstardom, you have my permission to bring me back. Just uh, don't make <laughs> me go down on you. <laughs> I can't promise that, Timmy. Oh, damn it. All right. Bye, Tim. Bye. Bye.